Good morning, Hope. Good to see you guys. Isn't it a great day? We can come and worship God together. We see an ugly picture of Justin. It was awesome. And uh, I got to hold that little rascal when she was a day old, and I'll tell you, she's a lot prettier than Justin. Let's just say Mel's, Mel's genes did well, so we're going we're gonna to praise God for that bit. How's that? Well, good to see you guys. Hey, uh, some things coming up that just want to make sure you're really on top of. Uh, next Sunday, we're packing those backpacks, and you've been so great in the past. We've always had more than enough. Uh, so, so if you didn't get a list coming in, pick, pick one up on the way out. And, and we really emphasize, again, if you could just stick to that list because we, we kind of pre-packed it. We know it will fit in the backpack, so that will help us if you do that. Also, what's happening in two weeks? Someone help me out. What's coming up in two Sundays? Easter. Easter. It's like the Super Bowl of, of Christianity, right, where you're going to celebrate. Uh, what was that? The, the final four. Now, we're going to talk about the final one, all right? His name is Jesus, yeah. By then, you won't care anyway, sorry. Anyway, but uh, yeah. Uh, let's don't get into Duke and State and Carolina. I'm from Texas. I don't care. Football season's over. Come on. So uh, here's the deal, guys. Uh, coming up at Easter, we have a great tradition here, uh, and that is every Easter, we have an Easter breakfast. And if you've not been to our Easter breakfast, you have really missed out. And we want to encourage you now, uh, Deb Louder is going to be heading that up. Is Deb in here today or is she serving back in the, she's serving in the kids today? Um, listen, if you can help out, she needs some helping hands to put this together. Also, we, we don't really ask for a sign-up, we just ask you to bring your favorite breakfast food. And I'll tell you what, nothing goes wasted, we eat it all. And that always begins about 8.45 on Easter Sunday morning, and then we come in here and we celebrate the resurrection of Christ together. So mark that down, it's going to be a great Sunday, and we are looking forward to what God is going to do in our lives as we trust. Now we believe God has something for you this morning. Let me see your hand, amen? You know, we've been in a series uh, on the life of Joseph. We've been talking about how God puts dreams in all of our lives. He, he gifts us. He, from, from the moment we are born, there are gifts he's placed in us that are part of what his, his redemption plan is here on this earth, that he would work through us to bring his message out to those that are far from God. And that has been taking place throughout history, and, and we are privileged in this day and age to have that honor to be the witnesses of Christ. And we've been studying this life of Joseph not as a history lesson or, or not just as a good story, because we see in Joseph something that happens in every single one of us. And that is that we all go through some testings and trials on this earth that, that really God uses to perfect us, to shape us, to mold us, to bring out the best in us sometimes so that our witness is one that goes forth and, and really makes a difference on this earth. And it's something that as we look at it, I believe God it speaks to our hearts and shows us where we are in our walk with him and prepares us so that, we are not, so that we're not blown away by trials, but so that we lean into them and recognize that God is there with us. And today we're going to be talking about a specific trial that, that Joseph went through that I hope most of us never do get ourselves into, because we're going to look at the time that he spent in prison. I wasn't going to ask how many have been in prison. No, don't do that, okay? Um, or how many deserved it? No, don't do that either, because uh, many of us have gotten away with things that we probably should not have in our lives. So we'll just leave it as that. So let's pray. Let's again, listen, guys, I think this lesson today is going to help a lot of us, all right? So, Father, God, touch us. God, open our ears to hear. God, I pray, Lord, that, God, we respond to your word today. Your word is powerful, God. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, God. It cuts right into where we live, God. And, God, it does so to bring healing. It does so to bring help, God. It does so to bring restoration, God. And, Father, it also brings correction. And, God, today, let our hearts be ready, God, to receive what you would speak to us. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you. 
God, that you care for us, God, and that you are with us always, even to the ends of the earth, God. And for that, we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, open up your Bibles or whatever you have the Word of God on to Genesis, uh, really chapter 39, and we're going to move into chapter 41 a little bit today also. But um, go ahead and, and find your way there. And as you do, let me just explain a little bit. If you're new here at Hope, this, this Joseph guy uh, really is one of the most famous characters in the Bible outside of Jesus Christ. In fact, in our culture today, he is one that you probably would come across more than you would some others because even right now, you can go to the Belk Theater downtown and watch uh, Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And uh, it's just a, it's a figure of history that is not a character out of Disney. Do you understand that? It's a character out of the Word of God. It's a character out of the life of God, the life of Christ on this earth. And it's a character for us to learn from. Because he was somebody that God put a dream in his heart to rise up into leadership, that somehow through his leadership, he would be part of God's redemptive plan on this earth. And in the same way, I believe God has that same call to each one of us, that we would discover God's plan for our lives. And that we'd rise up and trust God to say, all right, Lord, God, you're going to make a difference through me, Father. So, Lord, God, help me be prepared. Prepare my life. Test me, God, that I may be ready, God, to fulfill that destiny on this earth. So we talked about things in Joseph's life like the first week was pride. How I many know we all deal with pride, right? That's something we have to die to daily because it's so easy to be full of ourselves that we, we kind of forget that, that it's God in control. And, and we had to deal with pride because pride is what put Joseph in that place where his brothers despised him and ultimately put him in a pit. We talked about the pit the second week. That's when you end up in a bad place, and sometimes you do have responsibility for that. You understand? There are times we do deserve some of the things we go through in this life. And we talked about how that, that God is there even in those times, that God doesn't abandon us as some kind of scolding parent, but he's there with us to bring us out and to direct us and to perfect us and to protect our lives. We also talked about prosperity, how that God gives us little things to be responsible for. And when you're faithful over the little things, he says, then I can make you a ruler over much. And that's something that is common to every one of us. We have, we have little things that, are, that God has given us a oversight or, or input into. And God says, be faithful in those things because if, if you're not faithful there, I can't trust you over here. And then last Sunday, we talked about the purity test. We talked about what? Anybody? Sex, thank you. I just want someone else to say it besides me. It's like, come on, you know, we're in church. We can talk about life in church, all right? <laughs> we had a good time with that. At least I had a good time with it. And uh, so today we're moving forward because coming out of that trial where Joseph was tested in his purity, he moves right into a test that is something that we all need to walk in, and that is the test of perseverance, the test of perseverance. Pick it up in Genesis 39, verse 13. This is right after Joseph had, uh, had been uh, propositioned by, by Potiphar's wife. Potiphar was the master Joseph was the slave. Uh, his wife came on to Joseph in a, in a major way, and, 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 and Joseph did what he should do. He ran from that temptation, and here's what happened to Joseph because of that. In verse 13, it says, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in her to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, she's such a liar. Anyway, he, when I screamed for help, I'm just like, Ugh. he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And she kept his cloak beside her until the master came home. Then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. 
And when his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Now, we said a few weeks ago that we need to make no mistake. If we're going to walk in the presence and in the honor and in the power of God, we, we get there by obedience. We get there by doing what's right. We get there by following God's teaching in our lives. But I want you to understand something about obedience because obedience to God is no guarantee that bad things will never happen to us. It's no guarantee that we will never walk through some dark places and difficult places in our lives because sometimes, just like Joseph, we will do the right things and yet we will end up with the wrong results. I call it the perseverance test this morning because this test tends to be longer than any of the rest of them. It tends to drag out. It tends to, to go longer than we want it to go. It, it can last for years because through it we learn some necessary things of, of persevering even when we've done nothing wrong to deserve them. That's the difference between this test and the pit test. You see, Joseph's pride had a lot to do with why he ended up in the pit. But can I tell you, he did not deserve to end up in prison. But that's where we find him this morning. Let me ask you. Have you ever done the right thing only to be punished for it or not rewarded? I think that's something common in life. Has anyone ever lied about you or spread false rumors about you? If you try to correct them, it just makes you look worse, so you just end up in this trap because of, of someone else's feelings. Have you chosen to obey God's word, but the results made it look as though God's promises were not true? Again, I believe this test is something that is common to every one of us that follow Christ. Because here's the reality, guys. Storms come to everyone. Storms come to every single one of our lives. When I was growing up in church, we used to have to bring the kids up before service, and we'd sing to the adults, and all the kids here should say thank you. We don't make you do that. But we had a little booster band, and, and we used to sing about the wise man that built his house upon the, the rock, right? We had hand motions, man. It was awesome. We were like, you know, he built his house upon the rock, and there was an there unwise man that built his house upon the sand, right? And guess what happened? The storm came and the wise man's house stood, but the other man's house crumbled. Here's something that they really didn't teach strongly in that song, and that is this. The storm came to both of them. It wasn't that the, the unwise guy deserved the storm and the wise guy didn't. No, the storm came to, every, to both of their houses. And in the matter of how they built was the, matter, was the matter of whether the house stood or not. You see, life is stormy because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where sin is prevalent. We live in a world of humanness where we are definitely not perfect. We live in a world where there are so many forces working around us that life is stormy most of the time. And the question this morning I want you to really log in is this. Will we allow the storms of life to do the work God intends for them to accomplish in us? Or will we just fight against them and somehow feel that we have been mistreated by our own God? You see, Joseph was suffering unjustly. There's no doubt about that. But he didn't let the suffering stop him from doing what is right. He didn't let the injustice of his situation stop the work that God was doing in his life. And like Joseph, we must choose. We must allow God to work in our lives in the good times and the bad times. We must choose to allow God to perfect and do his work in us, whether the circumstances are just or unjust. We must trust God for the final outcome. Listen. None of, us, none of us like stormy seasons in life. I don't, I don't like stormy seasons in life. But God will work through the suffering for those of us who put our trust in him. Check this out in Romans this morning. In, in Paul's writing to the church at Rome, 
He, he talked about what happens when suffering comes into the life of one who is trusting in God. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, it'll be on the screen, it says this. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I read that verse and I, I take some encouragement off the, off the tail end of that. The character produces hope. But on the first part of that, I read and I say, what does it mean to, to glory in our sufferings? I mean, literally, when you study that, what, he, what he's saying here, he's saying we should rejoice in our sufferings. And can I tell you this morning, that's just crazy talk. I mean, think about that. That's just crazy talk. Hey, woohoo, we're suffering. Yeah, awesome. Everything's awesome. You know, that's crazy talk. Rejoice when you're suffering. But yet we find that teaching again and again and again through Scripture. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in James 1, he says, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces, there's that word again, perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Listen, for God to command you and I to rejoice in suffering sounds like crazy talk unless we choose to open our eyes and see the promised outcome of the trial that we find ourselves in. Now, I want to give a strong caveat right now before we go further in this teaching. Listen, and I want you to hear this clearly, guys, because you can get some messed up theology when it comes to suffering if you're not careful. And what will happen is that messed up theology will dictate your image of God and whether you trust him or not. So here's what I want you to, to hear, okay? I am not saying this morning, and be very careful, that every bad thing we face comes from God. Can, can I get a, a grunt or an amen or something, okay? I want to make sure we're getting this, because if you don't get that, it blows the whole deal, all right? And, and, neither, and neither am I minimizing the pain of trials, because trust me, they can be very, very painful. I'm not minimizing anything, but I want us to see what God can do through trials and suffering that we don't deserve, that we find ourselves in because we live in a sin-cursed world. So the first thing, I want you to take notes this morning, is this. It says that suffering produces something. It produces perseverance. It produces perseverance. Now, I, I would love, and I have searched the Bible uh, from the beginning to the end, I'd love to find some easy formula to gain perseverance in my life, because perseverance is an amazing quality to have. But can I tell you, the only thing I find in the Bible that produces perseverance is suffering. There's, no, there's nothing else that does it. And I wish there was. I wish there was some other way that, that, that we would gain that fruit of, of, of persevering, that, that, uh, that quality to come through us. But it makes me think back in John's gospel. It makes me remember about the, the story about the, the vines, how there, how there were two vines, and one vine was not producing any fruit at all, and the other vine was, was producing fruit, and, and yet Jesus told the story how that, that he came and he would, he would cut on both of them, and, and he would look to see the fruit grow and grow because in the pruning came the production of more fruit. And ultimately, the one vine didn't produce fruit, and he cut it off. But the other vine, he went and cut on again and again. Why? Because only in the pruning would the fruit grow. Only in the pruning would the fruit become more evident. You see, Joseph was suffering through the pruning of prison. But his life produced more fruit, and he ultimately became the leader that God called him to be, both in prison and ultimately over Egypt and over his family. How did he do that? How, how, did he, how did he stand in the midst of suffering? Well, it would be easy for us to say, well, well he, he was a patient man, right? 
I mean, he had to be patient. He was, he was, he was living in prison a long time. And I would say, yeah, he, he had to be a patient man, but there had to be more than that because patience is really waiting with contentment. It's like when you're in the grocery line, do you wait with contentment? I don't. When you're stuck on 85, do you wait with contentment? No, no. That's why you really got it's a dangerous prayer to say, God, teach me patience, because I guarantee you he will teach you patience. But it's described as waiting with contentment, but persevering is a little bit stronger than that. Perseverance involves waiting as well, but it involves fighting the battle, fighting the good fight of faith while you wait. Listen, remember, this test can last months. It can even last years. And it seems the longer the test, the more we're tempted with thoughts of doubt. We're tempted to thoughts of hopelessness. We're tempted to, to not trust in God. We're tempted to believe wrong things about God. And we've got to hang on and we've got to fight the fight of faith and press through even in times where it seems like we are stuck and we did nothing to deserve it. Joseph's time of testing lasted 13 years. And it looked like the God of his dreams had forgotten him. For 13 years, can you imagine? He had to battle the, the negative uh, thoughts. He had to battle uh, the, the, the mind games that were going on and keep his focus on God and on God's promises. For 13 years, he had to keep on believing that the God who promised him something was faithful and that what God said was true. And he had to do more than just waiting with contentment. He had to lean in. I think that's something we miss today. We don't lean in sometimes into the struggles, into the trials. We don't lean in and say, God, I'm not going to move. I'm going to trust you. We have to lean in and say, God, I know it feels wrong. I know it feels unfair, but God, my eyes are on you. You see, when you come to a place of perseverance, you got to lean in with an earnest faith in God because we are not alone in the middle of those trials. And neither was Joseph alone in his experience. When you read the Bible, you read the Old Testament stories, and you look at the timelines, it can almost be depressing sometimes. David was anointed king of Israel, but he had to wait 13 years before he ever sat on the throne. Paul the apostle was anointed the apostle, but it was 13 years before he ever took his first missionary journey to start any new work in that part of the world. Abraham, God promised Abraham a son, and yet 25 years went by before the promise was fulfilled. Moses Moses, who was called by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, had to spend 40 years in the wilderness tending sheep before God ever said, okay, now's the time, go back and be the leader I made you to be. You see, Joseph had every opportunity to do what we do so often, and that has become bitter during the times of suffering. He had every opportunity, he, he could have been bitter toward his brothers, he could have been bitter toward the Egyptians, he could have been bitter toward God. Instead, he kept his heart right. He kept his focus on God and he persevered and that perseverance resulted in something that God says has to be in our lives. Otherwise, we can never support the gifts he's put in us and that is character. And that's the second thing I want you to see out of this lesson today. Suffering produces perseverance, but perseverance produces character. Now, wouldn't it be great at the end of the service today, we could like take someone who has a lot of character. I mean, they just have character just like oozing out of them. And we could bring them up to the front and say, whoever wants character, just come and let brother or sister so-and-so lay their hands on you and then and, and character will be imparted into your life. How many think that'd be a fun thing, right? That'd be awesome. How many know that doesn't work, right? It, it doesn't work at all. I remember when I was a little kid, I used to go stay with my grandparents in, um, in Houston. And one of my grandparents owned a hardware store. My other grandparents, he was a, a chemical engineer. And, and Grandma Field, she liked to work out in the garden. 
And she'd always take me out there with her. And I, I will confess openly, I'm a, I'm, I was a lazy child, probably still fit that mold. And I remember one day we, she was out there and she was pulling weeds. And I said, I said well, Grandma, how do, you get those, how do you get those weeds out of the garden? She said, well, it takes a little elbow grease. And I said, well, where do you buy that? I mean, I, where do you, there's got to be some better way than on your hands and your knees, like yanking out weeds, right? And she laughs. She's like, get down on your knees, boy. Start pulling out weeds. Because it's, it's, there's no easy steps to develop character in our lives because character must be developed on the inside of us. Character is something that is proven over time. Character is something that God develops in us. But it is absolutely essential in supporting the destiny that God has in mind for each one of us. And in order to develop character, listen, we're going to have to go through some difficulties and we're going to have to learn to persevere. Because without character, can I tell you, without character, you will never succeed in fulfilling God's destiny in your life. Why? Because your character is the only thing that will sustain the gifts of God working in your life. And whenever someone's gifts are strong and their character is lacking, can I tell you, it is a disaster. It is a disaster and it brings shame even to the body of Christ. So one of the worst things we could ever do, or one of the worst things that someone else could do for us, is promote us before the character has developed. That's why the Bible says, be careful when you lay hands on a young man. To be careful. Because one of the worst things we could do is promote someone before the character has had time to develop. Just like it, the other thing would be, if, it would be bad if we deliver people out of trials prematurely before the work of God has been completed in them. But isn't that hard to do? I mean, the compassionate side of us is like, let me rescue you. Let me get you out of that. Let me help you out of that because I don't want to see you suffer. But yet in that suffering, God may be working perseverance, which ultimately is going to lead to character. You see, the best picture of what character looks like in the Bible is really found, I believe, in, in the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, when, when Paul teaches about what should be developed among the life of the believer, he says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Jesus said it's by those fruit that we are known. It's by those fruit that we are recognized as his. It's not by our giftings. The Bible says you can speak with the tongues of men and angels. You, you can cast out demons. You can prophesy. But if you don't have love, guess what? It means nothing. So the character has to be developed. The character has to be brought from the inside out of us so that it can stand up the weight of the gifting God has placed in our lives. So it's in these trials. It's in these moments where we're suffering, even if it's unjustly. It's in those trials that we choose to either harden ourselves toward God and try to manipulate our way out of them or submit ourselves to the hands of a loving Savior and allow Him to prune our lives so that much more fruit will be produced. See, every one of our experiences, every one of our hardships, every one of our difficulties, every one of our trials, we can all look at them and in some way we can say there's injustice there. But even in the midst of those, if we'll take them and put them in the hands of God, we'll say, God, I don't like it. I don't deserve it. I don't feel like I deserve it, God. But God, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to trust you to work through this, God, so that, Lord, you can develop in me the character that will sustain the gifts that you want flowing in my life. Guys, I, I can't emphasize this more and more than anything else. It is a disaster. It is a disaster when we put aside character and just run with gifts. It is a disaster when we don't take time to let God do his work in us. But sadly, the only place it happens in is through the suffering that produces perseverance, that produces the perseverance that produces character. But then he adds a third piece, and this is where it gets fun for us. And that is the third thing this morning. Character produces what? Say that again. Character produces what? It's a good word, isn't it? 
Good name. Church ought to use that sometime. You know? Because there's something about hope that we all have to recognize. There's something about hope that is more than a wishful thinking. There's something about hope that is more than I hope something might happen. Listen, he said in Romans 5, he said, listen, perseverance produces that character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. Here's what hope is. Hope is being able to see things through God's perspective. Being able to see things through the eyes of God and not just out our own limited knowledge or faith. Hope is when we respond the right way to a wrong situation, knowing that in the middle of that trial, there is a perspective that God gives us that energizes us, that moves us forward because we start to see what God had in mind even in the midst of the trial. And suddenly when we do that, here's what happens, guys. When you start looking through God's perspective at the trial you're going in, guess what? God gets bigger and your trial gets smaller. God gets bigger and the difficulty gets smaller. God gets bigger and the pain gets smaller. Why? Because all of a sudden our eyes are on him and we are trusting in him. And he is the only one who does not disappoint. You see, Joseph's trial lasted 13 years. <laughs> but you know what happened to him? After 11 years... He, he thought it was going to end. Can you imagine? You've been waiting 13 years. You know, you're, you've been waiting, I'm sorry, you've been waiting 11 years at this point. You're like, okay, God, I've been trusting. I've been going forward. I've been hanging on to the promise. And all of a sudden, it seems like it was going to end. Because the story is that while he was in prison, he had two other prisoners with him. One was the, the butler and one was the baker of the king. And they came to him because they had some dreams that troubled them. And Joseph, one of his gifts was he was an interpreter of dreams. And so Joseph interpreted their dreams. And, he, and they, they, they found themselves being released from prison. And Joseph said to one of them, said, please remember me when you go out. Tell somebody about me because I shouldn't be here. And, and he was trying to get his way out of it. And yet the story says that when the time came, the, the, the butler totally forgot him. Totally forgot him. And two more years, Joseph was stuck in prison. And he was in a danger zone that many of us face. We've got to be so careful that we don't get stuck there. And that's the danger zone of what the Bible calls hope deferred. Hope deferred. You see that phrase in Proverbs. In Proverbs 13, 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart what? Help me out. Sick. It makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. See, Joseph had the very opportunity that you and I have on a day-to-day -day basis, and that is to get so caught up in our own disappointment that we lose our sight of God. To get so caught up in the overwhelmness of our circumstance or our past or whatever we are walking in and lose our perspective of who God is. But he didn't. He kept his hope in God. And if we learn anything from Joseph, it is this. We've got to keep our eyes on God. Because God was with him in the pit. God was with him when he was prospering. God was with him when he was tempted to sin. God was with him in prison. I'll tell you, church, God is the same God of Joseph today, and God is with you. No, you're not written up in the Bible, and you probably won't have a book written about your life, and neither will I. But there is one book that matters to me, and that is the Lamb's Book of Life, where my name is written in heaven right now because my faith is in God. And that's the only book that matters because our story is not about us. It's about him. And we understand that. We keep our eyes on him and say, God, I'm not going to get disappointed. I'm not going to come to that point where I lose sight of you, God, because when I do, God, my heart grows sick. If my heart is sick, God, then, Lord, there's no thing, nothing being produced out of me, God, that's good. You see, when you go through trials, 
you got to keep trusting God. you got to persevere and allow him to show you his perspective. Because if you allow your hope to turn to disappointment, that hope becomes deferred, and God says that that sickness of heart will take over your life. Joseph could have given up. He could have given up. He could have just stopped. Because once again, someone was going to mess up his dream, right? Once again, somebody was going to step in the way of what God promised would happen in his life. But Joseph understood something that we've got to grasp today. He understood that hope, hope is not just about the future. Hope is powerful now. Hope is powerful right now in our present circumstances. Hope is believing what Romans 8.28 says, that our God is working everything out to our good for those who trust him, for those who put their hope in him. Hope is not about someday, maybe it gets better. Hope is believing that God loves us now and he's going to take care of us right now in the midst of even some of the deepest trials we've ever faced. Hope is believing God is with us. Hope is believing that no matter what trial we're going through, God is greater than our trial. Two weeks from now, we're celebrating not the final four, but Easter. And that is absolutely where our hope comes from. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only thing that gives us hope. It's the only thing. If all he did was die on the cross, we would not have hope. But because he rose from the grave on the third day, the Bible teaches us, and we see it, and that's when the fear of death was broken. That was when the fear of the impossible was broken. And now we live on this side of the tomb, and we can say all things are possible to those who believe. And when we believe, we let God out of the box, and God does things that we can't even imagine, because hope does something. And this is the last thing I want you to write down today. Hope never puts us to shame. It never puts us to shame. In another version, it says hope does not disappoint You see, God had put the dream of leading his family in Joseph's heart as a teenager. He was 17. Now, 13 years have passed, and Joseph has experienced enough trials for a lifetime, but he didn't give up on the hope that was inside of him. Can I tell you what? God honors the hope that's inside of us. He honors the hope that's inside of us. And what happens when he honors the hope that's inside of us as that he lines up what we call divine appointments in our lives. Say, Mike, what's a divine appointment? A divine appointment simply is this. It's appointments that God orchestrates for us to minister to others and see their lives change, but at the same time, by the fact he trusted us to minister to them, our lives are changed just as much. That's why the Bible says it's better to give than to receive. It's better to give out than to receive. It's better to serve than to to be served. Because when we do that, what we're doing is we're letting God work through us. You see, if we lose hope and focus only on our trials and the injustice of life, we miss these appointments. We can't see them. We walk past them. We ignore them. Because we're so caught up in our pain and our trial and our circumstances and our suffering that all we can see is us. Can I tell you, whenever we see only us, we're in danger. But when we look up and put our hope in God, can I tell you, that's when he begins to move, and that's when he begins to line things up that can only happen through him. Listen, it was because of Joseph's ministry to the Pharaoh's butler and baker that ultimately Pharaoh himself had a dream. And he says, who can interpret my dream? And none of his wise counsel could do it. And finally, the one man stood up and said, I, I, know, I know a guy. I've got a guy. And he was in prison with me, and he interprets dreams. Now, Joseph had tried to manipulate that earlier. 
Hey, remember me when you get out. Give a good word for me. Come on, remember me. And he was forgotten. But in the right time, at the right season, Pharaoh had a dream. The most powerful man in Egypt. And he sent for Joseph, and Joseph was brought out of prison. And Joseph interpreted the dream that Pharaoh had. And ultimately, because he, because he interpreted that dream, because he met that divine appointment, ultimately God's destiny was fulfilled in Joseph. Because as we'll see next week as we wrap this story up, Joseph was elevated to the second highest position in all of Egypt. And through that position, he was able to not only bless that land and that people, but he was ultimately able to save his own family. You see, when God puts a divine appointment in front of us, we need to be ready to see it. When God puts a divine appointment in front of us, we got to be ready to hold on to it. When God puts a divine appointment in front of us, it's because we've let the sufferings of our life develop perseverance in us, and we lean in. And we say, God, we're not going to be that wave that's tossed by the wind, God. We lean in, and God begins to produce something in us called character. It gives us that foundation where it can, it can hold up the weight of the gifts God has put in us. And as that character develops, it gives, it gives birth to hope. And hope does, nev- does not disappoint. Hope never lets us down. Hope takes away that fear that it's all on us. You see, so many people tried to thwart Joseph's destiny. His brothers tried to kill him. Potiphar's wife tried to mess him up. The butler forgot about him. But Joseph kept doing the right thing in the wrong places. And he received God's divine appointment in his life. I want you to, I want you to listen. We're going to close this down right here. Here's the key truth that I think flows all the way through the story of Joseph. Here's the key truth that I want you to understand. The only person on this earth who can thwart the destiny of God in your life or mine is the person we live with every day. The only person that can thwart the destiny in your life is you. Because God has purposed in us that we will be part of his redemption plan. He has purposed in us that we have influence in certain areas where we can be the light and the salt on this earth. God has purposed in us that through the church, people would know that Jesus Christ is king. He could have sent angels, he could have opened up the heavens and spoke from heaven, but he didn't. He chose to work through you and I. And can I tell you, when God has a destiny and purpose in us, the only person that can thwart that is us. We've got to keep our eyes on God. Listen, gang, even if people don't keep their word, even if other people forget you, God God never will, and he never does. He always keeps his word, and he will always remember us no matter where we are. There are times where we all feel like we've been put on a shelf. There are times where we feel like God has forgotten his promise to us. There are times we grow weary. We're like, God, are we ever going to see the breakthrough? But can I tell you something? God knows right where we are, and he knows exactly what he's doing, and he's working in us something for our good. When you're going through a long and difficult trial, we've got to let that trial produce something. We've got to let it produce something. We've got to keep fighting, keep pressing in. What, what a waste to go through a trial on this earth and not gain something out of it, right? What a waste. What, what a waste to be persecuted because of your faith and, and yet nothing happens because of that. No, God doesn't waste experiences. God doesn't waste circumstances. As we said in the very beginning of this series, if we miss one of these tests or we don't quite get it right, guess what God does? He brings us right back to it again because there's too important for him to let us skip ahead of ourselves. So if we allow ourselves to keep our focus on God in the midst of the trial, then suddenly our perspective changes and we begin to see things in a different way. I want to close with 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
It's one of my favorite verses highlighted over and over again in my Bibles. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 says this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. God's perspective, God's perspective will always cause you to have hope. God's perspective will always cause you to look out. God's perspective will always cause you to dream beyond because his hope will never disappoint you. It will carry you to divine appointments that will ultimately lead to God's destiny fulfilled in us. Growing up in, in church and Music has such a powerful impact on us and songs that speak deep to our souls. It is well. We sang that this morning. Modern version, old song. But there was another one that just always seemed to be part of our repertoire in the church I grew up in. And it was a song that the chorus would say, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will be worth it all and, and I learned early that it wasn't this longing like, oh, God, please rescue us out of here because everything just stinks in this place. And God, we're just so tired of it. Get us out of here. Let us see Jesus. No, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus who is right there with us in the pit, in the prison, and even in the palace. Why? Because God is faithful. And he loves you guys. He loves you. He knows where you are. I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to close in prayer and we're going to enter into a time of just letting God love on us, minister to Him. The things that I, I gain, the things that you gain, when we let God continue His work in our trials is this. There are things that, yes, we've done to put us there sometimes, like Joseph's pride. And can I tell you, there's only one answer to that, and that's Repentance. There are times we need to repent. We just need to say, I'm wrong, God. I'm sorry. This repentance frees up our soul. But the perseverance test is that test that says, I am doing what's right. I am trying to honor God. I am obeying. And yet I'm not seeing the results yet of what I want. And it's hard. And that's where God says, keep pushing in. Keep pushing in. Keep pushing in. We are an instant society. We want everything now. We want it all. We want it now. But sometimes we just have to walk it out. Would you bow your heads and say, Father, God, I'm so grateful for your people today, God. God, I'm so thankful, Lord God, that there are men and women of faith, oh God, that just have, have put their hope in you, God. They've latched hold of your promises, God. And Father, Lord, they're not hanging on for some day, God. God, they're pushing forward, God. Lord, knowing that even in the middle of the mess, God, that sometimes we can find ourselves in, God, you're letting our light shine, oh God. And you're letting others see, God, that, Lord, we don't serve you only when things are perfect, God. God, we serve you always, God. God, we're letting other people see, God, that, that Lord, you just don't love us when we do everything right, God. You love us even when we mess it all up, God. God, your love never fails. God, I pray this morning, God, in this response time, that, God, you just liberate some people today, God. God, you liberate us from our wrong thinking, God. You liberate us from our, from our experiences, God, when we assume it's always going to be a certain way, God. God, you liberate us, God, from our doubts and our fears, oh God, till we come back to you like a child with that simple faith that says, God, I trust you. God, I trust you even when I can't see the end of it. God, I trust you. 
And God, I will follow you always. With our heads bowed this morning, the band is going to lead us in a song in just a moment. I just want to encourage you today, if you're here and maybe you're just really walking in that and you're like, Mike, I'm just so caught in the trial, so hard to even see out of it. I just pray this morning for you that you'd be encouraged that God is with you. And if you will just allow him, if you will will just even breathe that prayer out and say, God, show me where you are. He is faithful to do that. He is faithful to come around you. He is faithful to remind you that you're in the palm of his hands and he will not let you fall out. Maybe you're here and you've been holding on to a promise for a long time and you're getting a little weary of it. You're like, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Can I tell you, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Lean in. Let God do a work in you. Let the joy of your life shine to others that are watching you. Let you be quick to give that reason of hope to those that are asking. Press in. If there's others today, maybe you're just coming toward God. You're seeking Him. You're trying to figure Him out. and You wonder why you see so much hardship and suffering. And you're trying to reason in your own mind, where is this good God they keep talking about? And can I tell you, He is right there in the midst of it all. This world is messed up because of sin. Man's choice is to say, I don't need you, God. And we are affected by it every single day, but in the middle of it, those whose faith are in Him will never be disappointed because He is faithful. So put your trust in God. If you've never accepted Him in your life today, can I encourage you? Today's a great day to do that. Just right where you are, when we pray in just a moment, just begin to speak to God. Say, God, I, I come to recognize that I'm not in control of everything, and I need you. And I need you to forgive me of my sin, and I need you to come and be Lord of my life. And I can assure you, I can promise you, God will do just that. You'll never be the same again because his life will begin to invade yours. You'll begin to experience things like a peace that you can't even understand, a joy that is new every day, a mercy that you don't deserve. Why? Because he loves you. And he's loved you from the beginning. He's loved you when you cursed him. He's loved you when you pushed him away. His love never fails. So join me in prayer right now, and then let's respond to God. Father. God, whatever our circumstances, I'm going to lift your voice up to God right where you are. Just tell him your circumstances. Father, God, whatever our circumstance, God, Father, today we want to give it to you. God, I, I praise you today, God, that you are our strength and our song, God. God, I thank you that you are our victory, Father. God, I thank you, thank you that you are very present help in the time of trouble, God. God, we are not alone. God, we're not on our own. And Father, I ask you today, God, to just show yourself strong today in each person's life. God, even as we come and celebrate you with communion or singing, God, or giving, Father, or being prayed for or praying for others, God, whatever we do today, God, Father, let us rejoice. Let us glory in our circumstance, God, because right there, God, you are. So, Father, bless your people today, God. Let this song minister to your heart today. Let it, let it rise up within you. And then let's move out and respond to God today. We're going to We're going to have time of communion together where we come and celebrate the body and the blood of Christ. You can go to the cross in the back and maybe you just want to go there and pray. I'm going to ask Scott and Kathy Miller if they would to make their way to the cross and David Williams up here in the front to pray for people. If you see someone to agree with you. And then we're going to come and we're going to give because that's a part of our honor of saying, God, it's you, Father, it's all to you. Let God guide you in this morning's response. Let's give him glory. Amen. Let's take this song.